This is Hope and Health with Doctors Michelle and Mark Sherwood. Insights and interviews with a dose of straight talk to help you enjoy optimal health in all areas of life. Oh, yes, and welcome to another edition of this wonderful podcast, Healthcare's Missing Link. And man, I'm pumped up today because we're going to share a miracle story, a miracle story that's going to knock your socks off, blow your mind, and hopefully change your heart. My guests today are Josh and Gretchen Trimble. And you guys, you guys have become, especially you, Josh, have become a dear, dear friend. And I'm really grateful that you guys would join us. So thanks for coming on today. Oh, it's our pleasure. Thank you so much for the invitation. And uh, the feeling, of course, Dr. Mark, is is mutual. Uh, It's amazing just how we have uh, become kindred spirits. And uh, we know that's not because of our background, but that's because of our our presence and our future. And that's because of Jesus Christ. So I'm glad to call you a brother and uh, being able to fellowship with you in this way. Well, we are brothers and sisters. And I tell you what, um, I want to get into your story because the story that we're going to tell today is of one of your children. So why don't you guys take it from right there? I, I want people to really sit back. If you're looking for a miracle, if you want to know the answer to the question, do miracles occur today? Yes. Stop what you're doing right now. Stop it. Stop everything you're listening to and just listen with your heart. Go ahead, you guys. What yeah, about absolutely. your child? Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, as you can see, my beautiful bride here, we've been married for 11 harmonious years. And uh, just the fact that we're married is a miracle in itself. (laughs) 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 As I grew up in Dallas, Texas, just an inner city youth, uh, was involved in all the wrong things that were told to me to be considered the, the, the good things or right things to be involved in. And it's just just a way of life. And so challenges there. And then Gretchen grew up in rural Illinois. And so just the fact that uh, we are together is a, is a miracle in itself. And uh, that was clandestine by God himself. But we know the Bible, it, it gives great instruction for good Christian living. And we know the truth that is that Jesus Christ is the same today as he was yesterday, and he will be forevermore. And we know that he's the author and the finisher of our faith and all good things that are, are revealed to us in our life is, is because of him. And um, Gretchen and I, as, as we've been married, we, we've been blessed with three beautiful children. Ephesians tells us that children are inheritance, a gift, living gift from a living God. And uh, we've been blessed with a, a handsome son. Uh, he's seven years old. He was born on uh, Labor Day. And... Uh, uh, his name is Nelvin. Our middle child is, is Sherry Kay. Uh, she was born on Christmas Day. And then Opal Rose, who's two years old, she was born on Columbus Day. So we're, we're proud parents of three kids. They're the holiday babies. I love that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. You can't forget that's their right. birthdays because they're marked every year for you. I love that. That's right. yeah, the Lord knows me well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Hopefully you remember your anniversary. That's the biggest thing right there. That's, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, with children, there are so many great expectations that you have. Yes, of course. I mean, there are going to be challenges that we face. I mean, life is is filled with with hardships. Um, But it's all about our perspective and how we respond to those hardships. 
And uh, Jesus, he performed great miracles back then. But before he left this earth, he, he said that he's going to continue to do great works. Mm-hmm. There'll be works that will, will transpire that'll be greater than what he performed. And he plans to do those things through the gifting of the Holy Spirit through us. And so that includes modern day miracles, as we're mm-hmm. talking about. And, um, you know, I admire the heart of a mother because there are things about my children that uh, I love, I adore, and I don't understand all, all at the same time. But the heart of a mother, I mean, when she looks at a child, she sees herself. Uh, as The Bible talks about flesh in my flesh, bone in my bone. And so I'm going to just turn, o- turn it over to Gretchen just for a moment and talk more about kind of the genesis of, of what we call this modern day miracle, the Oprah mm-hmm. Rose story. Um, Like Josh mentioned, we have three kids and our last one was born in October 8th, 2018, Opal Rose. And she was a perfectly healthy, um, happy baby. Uh, We just felt like she completed our family in a sense. And it just, it, we were content. We um, just felt so blessed when Opal came into our lives and for four months, she was just the perfect addition. The kids, Melvin and Sherry Kay, took to her right away. Um, she took to them right away. And it was just such a sweet thing for us to witness. I stayed home with Opal for the first few three months after she was born on maternity leave. And I went back to work um, part-time in January. And Opal was um, staying at a Mother's Day Out program while I worked, just for a few hours a day. And... Um, a few weeks after I'd gone back, she was there and I got a call from their director and she said, Gretchen, I'm just calling to let you know that Opal, she's kind of been a little off today. I think, you know, she, I think she's probably just missing you, but I just wanted to give you a heads up. And, um, it was, I, I stopped what I was doing. I'm not the type of mom to get that kind of call and not go check on her. She even said, you know, I don't even think you need to pick her up early. I just wanted you to know when I walked into the room at her mother's day out, um, I knew in my heart, something was wrong. Something was not right. Let me say that. I just felt it in, in my, in my gut, in my heart. And when I picked Opal up from her teacher, her teacher was holding her. She was just very limp, just lethargic. It was almost like I was holding dead weight. She was not responding at all. Her eyes were open. You know, she would look at me, but she was just not response, uh, physically responding like she normally did. And uh, I, I remember instantly, I just, I started to cry. I just, I couldn't contain it. I just knew something was wrong. And her teachers, the director, I think they thought I was dealing with um, mom guilt <laughs> to some degree. Um, and I was trying to tell them, no, I, I, I said, I'm good. I, I think something's wrong. Um, I picked up our older daughter who was also at the same daycare, Mother's Day out. And um, then we went to pick up our, our son, my son, our son, <laughs> um, And I remember not even having the heart to put Opal in her car seat because I just, I was almost panicked at that point, knowing that just something was so off. So I carried her in my arms from the daycare to uh, our son's school, which was right around the corner. Thank the Lord. Yes. Praise God for that. And um, to jump to the, to jump to the next scene, I, we get Opal into our family doctor instantly as soon as we can. And they test her, they do a number of tests on her. Um, they all came back negative, RSV, flu, um, strep, things like that. They all came back negative. And our doctor said, you'll just want to, let's just take her home, monitor through the night. If she gets worse, bring her back. Uh, Opal got 
worse by the hour that night. Mm-hmm. She um, not only remained limp, she spiked a fever of 104, 105. She stopped eating altogether. Uh, she started whimpering. Um, she just, she, it was, it was scary. And uh, the next morning we got her right back into the doctor and um, he tested her again for all of those things. She happened to come back positive for flu B. Uh, but he said, you know, you guys need to get her to children's as soon as you can, just based on how she looks. And so that's what we did. We jumped on the car, um, went to Integris Children's um, in Oklahoma City, and uh, we walked right to the ER and there was a room full of people. I don't think there was an empty chair that day. And I remember feeling panic, like, oh my goodness, we're going to have to wait. And the receptionist there, the the person who was admitting, she took one look at Opal and called called in the back for, for someone to make room for her because she was alarmed by her appearance. And I say that because it seemed like every person after that, every time someone laid eyes on her, there was just alarm in people's faces. And that's sort of when we became more panicked was because, yes, we were alarmed, but everyone else seemed just as alarmed um, as we were. We were admitted right away to the hospital and they were treating Opal for flu because she tested positive for it. Um, the, the biggest issue seemed to be that she couldn't, we couldn't get a handle on her breathing. She just seemed to be struggling to breathe. Um, I'm going to fast forward because it's a very long and detailed story, but we spent three days in the pediatric wing trying to get a handle on her breathing. Nothing worked. We ended up moving to PICU, the intensive care unit for pediatrics, where they tried a Heliox breathing treatment. And that's the only place in the hospital where they can do that. Um, so that's why we moved to PICU. The admitting doctor in PICU noticed her symptoms, um, her lack of movement and called for an MRI right away. And uh, praise the Lord, we were able to do that quickly. And um, within 12 hours, the next day, our doctor found us in the hallway and told us that our daughter um, has has a condition called acute flaccid myelitis. That meant nothing to us at the time because we'd never heard of it. We didn't know what what it was. Um, And then he explained it. that it's a one in a million condition. It's a very rare disease. They, they don't know to call it a disease, a condition, a sickness. Um, at the time, he said it's a one in a million condition. Um, it's where a virus attacks the spinal cord. And in Opal's case, it impacted the part of her spinal cord that controlled her upper body. So that explained why she was having trouble breathing. Her lungs were just, did not have the ability to breathe on their own. Um, later, shortly thereafter, we learned that it also not only impacted her middle, it also impacted her lower extremities. So this acute flaccid myelitis paralyzed Opal from the neck down, from the neck down to her toes. And she just was not moving at all. Um, right after the MRI, actually during the MRI, they intubated her, um, and sedated her. And she stayed that way for three or four weeks in PICU. And uh, we spent the few weeks after that, one, trying to process this news. Um, it was very easy to feel, well, a lot of different things, bitterness, anger, um, questions, so many things went through our minds. Um, but we had so many hard decisions to make. Um, the other thing with acute flossomyelitis, the majority, the average patient who is inflicted with it is between the ages of four and eight, four years old and eight years old. Opal was four months old. She was by far the youngest. In fact, at the time she was 
the youngest um, diagnosed with this condition in the in the nation. In the nation. Uh, now you guys are here, like um, your young parents. You got two other young children. You're getting this news. I mean. What what is the first thing that, that perhaps went through your mind at that point? I mean, you know, how 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 are you feeling at this point when you get this bomb dropped on you? Yeah, that that's a, a great question, and I know Gretchen would answer this a, a little differently. But as you can tell, we're very strong in our faith, and and we we understand that our, our faith is not to be uh, tempted. Uh, we're not to try to test our own faith, but we're to trust in that faith because faith is an invitation that God has extended to us to have. And uh, I'll I'll tell you, being fully transparent, just mm-hmm. I know this will speak to someone out there, is that when when we found Opal in that position, yes, there was grief, there was hardship that I was facing as a father from within, because, you know, we would do anything. We'd give our own lives to protect our children and, and to take their place so they can live a life of abundance. I mean, God set that example and, and having to turn away from Jesus because he became all sin. You know, I, I just can't imagine what he was feeling at that time, but wanting to be able to take our place I just knew that God could do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever ask or think according to his power within us. So I just thought, Lord, this is going to be a great opportunity for mm-hmm. you to display your wonder working power. And, and so as soon as she was in that moment, I just thought, yeah, you guys watch, you'll see what happened. But what I realized is that I was very stubborn in my faith. I didn't even know that was a possibility because my, my, my expectation was God, we're strong in our faith. Life was going great. You brought us here for a moment and you're going to heal her because there's a message that you have. And I, I was dictating what I thought would be the outcome. Yeah. That's not a sense of, that's not us being obedient and following God. You know, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord all your heart. Lean out on your understanding and all your ways acknowledge him. He shall direct your path. I thought I knew where he was going. And uh, just to paint the scene a little more, uh, the day that we would receive, we received the prognosis from my doctor who had 33 years experience in the, the PICU. Um, it just so happened that about 30 to 40 people were there at the hospital and uh, they went from the main lobby to eventually uh, using elevators to get to all the way to the lobby of the 10th floor. And he chooses that time to present that, that information. And we were surrounded by, by support, by family. My dad drove in from Texas and and I needed to lean on him. And, and when he shared that news, just the timing was perfect. And God really set a movement in place. But just 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 dealing with it, it people were there saying, what do you need? And uh, our understanding at that point, Doc, was we don't know what we need. Hmm. But if the Lord is leading you to do something, we're not going to get in your way. Just do it. Mm-hmm. And my mother-in-law, she arrived shortly thereafter, and she was there with our two oldest children. And uh, God has a has a love for all humanity. Uh, but what Jesus talks about, He has a. I mean, He 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 loves the little children. Mm-hmm. God blessed our kids with understanding. Uh, they never felt rejected from what they showed us. They always knew that mommy and daddy were taking care of, of Opal 
and they never rejected their sister either. Mm. And they didn't ask questions such as what's wrong with her. Their questions were, well, move out of the way because I want to get closer to her. Is that all right? You know, mm-hmm. they were in the bed with her. So you know, wow. it, there were hardships for sure, but many blessings that we could not have choreographed ourselves and just knowing God was moving through so many people in one accord. And Gretchen, you're there. And uh, I, I know as Josh said, your perspective is a little different. What do you, what are you thinking at this point? You get this news as, as a mother of, of two of their children. This is your, this is your youngest. There it is. Yeah. Um, well, when we first, when the doctor explained what it was and, you know, basically she's got this virus that by the way, we don't know what causes it and there's no cure for it. Um, that I, I just felt numb. Um, I don't know. It's, it's hard to process that to, to drop a perfectly healthy baby off at daycare in the morning and to pick her up so drastically different, you know, that's really hard to process. Um, and through this, you know, after the MRI, she was sedated, she's intubated. We eventually had to make the, the decision to do IV IG treatments and plasmapheresis and of her size and age, there was significant risks with it. And then it's the decision. Do we do it on, on the chance it might help because they don't know, you know, this is all, um, experimental with AFM because there is no known cure. Um, she eventually got a, a breathing trach um, and a G tube. And I remember feeling tormented by these decisions. And as Josh mentioned, we are very strong in our faith, um, but being completely transparent, making those decisions, you know, really forced us to test our faith. And we either choose to, to, to use our faith at that moment or not. And if I'm being perfectly honest, there were some days we struggled with that and Mm -hmm. it was very easy to question, okay, why Opal? You know, why, why does she have to suffer like this? And um, just the unknown. And, you know, as a mom, I never left her bedside um, except for a few hours to spend with the kids. I spent, I tried to spend one night at home um, and that didn't go well. And so I just hard for me to be away, but um, just really learning this whole journey has, um, but especially during the acute phase, really taught us to rely on God in the now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the verse that says, you know, don't worry about tomorrow because today has enough worries of its own. Mm-hmm. We learn what that means. You know, that's easy to recite and memorize before, but we, I understand that. We just, at the moment in those weeks, I just, my, my heart, my brain didn't have the capacity to take any more than we were dealing with at the moment. And I remember thinking, you know, we weren't looking toward tomorrow. We were looking at the next round the doctor made and um, it was taking tiny steps. And I think that's how, you know, for, for me, for Josh, we've talked about this many times we've learned so often that, and I think that's how God expects us to live is to in today, not yeah. to look toward tomorrow, trust him now, because there were so many days that the, the future, it was, dark. We couldn't see, you know, we had no guess what the next day might bring, let alone this next hour. And so I think it transformed our faith and our trust in God in a completely good way. Amen. You, you mentioned something a second ago, and I want to touch on this. You, you mentioned the word stubborn faith, and mm. I thought that was curious. And, and it, it leads me to a question that I'm just wondering at this point about that, because as we all know, uh, faith is really dependence on God for everything, you know, mm-hmm. his will, et cetera, even if it doesn't agree with what we want right now. 
Uh, we all know that. And I think that the question I would have for you is as you work through your faith journey in this very acute, critical time where you're going through the IG, IV, and the plasma phoresis, all this stuff is experimental things. Were you prepared at that point for anything, life or death? That's a, a, a wonderful question. Um, uh, let me give a little bit more of, of a narrative behind that, that phraseology of stubborn faith. Mm-hmm. Um, God revealed that to me in silence. Uh, when we received the news, we found ourselves in a hospital room where Opal was in the PICU. And the only thing we knew to do was to just pray. And we didn't really know what words to say. We couldn't even really begin to fathom and comprehend what was taking place, but we knew just to pray. And what the Lord had directed us to do, because uh, Ms. Gretchen said, what do we do? Mm-hmm. And uh, the Lord told me we need to turn Opal's room into a sanctuary. And so we began to post scriptures and and we had a word of the day that was associated with the scripture of the day. And I'll tell you, Dr. Mark, anyone, and Michelle, anyone who walked in that room, they had a meeting with the Lord through us. Hmm. Day. And, um, but how the Lord revealed that to me in silence is on the first day where I found myself cleaving to my Bible, laying in a hospital bed thinking, God, you, you you have to do something. I know what it's like to talk to the Lord. I know what it's like to feel the presence of the Lord, to know that you're walking with him daily. And, and I don't want that to sound, you know, some kind of hocus pocus or, or something like that. But you just, you just know. I can have my eyes closed and I know I can feel my wife is near. Uh, when I hear her voice, she doesn't have to tell me, hey, this is me, Gretchen, your wife. I, I know your voice. You're my wife. So I know the Lord's voice. I know his presence. And I, I couldn't, I, I, I could feel it on the first day, but I, he wasn't speaking to me. And I felt as if sitting at the table, I'm looking at him like I'm looking at you and I'm asking him questions and he's silent. And then eventually he turns from the table on day two and on day three, he gets up and walks out of the room. Mm-hmm. And Literally found myself at a crossroad, Dr. Mark, thinking, okay, I'm feeling foolish in my belief and in my faith because I know who I thought you were, but how you're demonstrating yourself to me in private is not who you are and who I've believed you, you have been. But this is what the Lord had revealed to me, is that when we think about the fruit of the Spirit, we have love, patience, kindness, but how quickly do we overlook Long suffering. Mm-hmm. And the fruit of the spirit is a good thing. And the Lord had to teach me what long suffering is because I found myself in a position in, in my walk, which is still strong, but it's, it's gained stride and, and greater strength in our marriage and our way we parent and our family is that there, there's a group of Christians that, that does things for God. And a few of them do things with God. There's, there's a difference there, you know? And so 
I found where I, I would been doing these things for God and I had an expectation that this is what you're going to do because these are your promises. But the Lord brought me to the fact that on that day of judgment, he's going to say, uh, people are going to say to him, didn't we heal the blind? Didn't we heal the lame? Didn't we do these things in your name? And Jesus is going to say, turn for me, for I never knew you. The word of God is perfect. And turn to him and voice. It's going to do what it's going to do because that's how God structured it. Mm-hmm. Our focus is not to work through the word, but to have the word work through us. And mm. that that's how he revealed to me that I had stubborn faith. It was this false expectation of what I believe he could do. And he said, Josh, you have no idea what you can do. And so mm. from there, the we just understood that, God, this is not our story. This is yours. And when people tell this story many years from now, our hope is that there'll be a couple family that comes before us and tells us about this little girl and, and, and about how her, her fate was bleak. And they say, I don't remember her name. I don't, I don't remember the names of, of the parents, but I do remember Jesus. And then they tell another story about Jesus. And so we took that stance of we're not focusing on a, our one in a million condition, but our one in a million position. And there are people. Wow. Say that one more time, man. I want people to hear that. That's too <laughs> not, good. Not, not, not her one in a million condition, but our one in a million position. And that's when we turned it all over to God. And there are people that return to Christ. There are people in my family who fasted for the very first time, prayed fervently in our families like they never had before, gave their lives, surrendered their lives to the Lord because of the wonder-working power that was taking place through this door that we call Oprah Rose. It's it's just been amazing. You know, we have a video that I'm going to show everybody right now that is mind-blowing. And it's when we get this miracle and it begins to work itself out. Let's check that out. And it'll bring back some memories for you guys right now. So our daughter Opal was diagnosed with acute flaccid myelitis on February the 27th. Uh, When she was diagnosed, she was basically paralyzed from the neck down. And um, it was, she got sick really quickly, you know, statistically, they weren't giving us much hope for recovery. Uh, Opal being the third in the history of Oklahoma to contract this virus disease called acute flaccid myelitis and there being a, a one in a million chance of anyone contracting it, let alone she arguably so being the youngest in the nation. This is a, a, a unique circumstance. We really put it to a matter of prayer and uh, based on reviews and, and research online, uh, other people and their experiences yield to a very favorable uh, review for the Children's Center. And so as soon as we walked in, we could feel the presence of the Lord and we felt at peace. You had and just those who were ready to receive us with open arms. We could have visited any other rehabilitation pediatric center and um, we would not have received the peace and the comfort that we did the day that we arrived. Throughout this trial and this challenge, I realized that Opal not only wants to be included, but Opal's a fighter. She herself began to push her own ability to make up the ground that she needed in order for her to be involved according to the level she wants to be involved. 
it's so humbling to see how all those small steps have added up into these significant improvements. And where she couldn't move her arms, now she has full movement in her arms. She can pull herself up. Um, she, she was you know, she was on a ventilator and intubated and came off of that within weeks of coming here to the Children's Center. And uh, no one expected her to, to come off the ventilator that quickly. Um, they, they prepared us that it would might be months, even years, that she would be on it, if not her lifetime. Uh, we have so much to celebrate in regards to how much she has improved physically. What we anticipate most, or at least what I anticipate most, is just getting back to the normalcy of life. Just doing the mundane things at home. You know, reading the kids a book before bed, uh, breaking up a fight, yeah. <laughs> playing with them on the floor, eating dinner with them. They would always pray, and Lord, let, let Opal feel better, and uh, let Opal come home soon. So, when they pray today, I, I look forward to hearing them say, thank you, Lord. family and um, we don't say goodbye we say see you later because these people so many of the people here have become uh, such an important part certainly of this season of our life okay now come on man that was one of the best videos ever <laughs> the you guys coming out of the room everybody cheering out of the elevator there's opal rose there you are hugging people um, man, I, I gotta know what was that like? That day felt surreal for mm -hmm. us. Uh, mm -hmm. it felt like in all, we were in a hospital for almost six months and, um, you know, Dr. Market, I readily admit, I know it could be so much longer. Um, at the time it just felt like an eternity, especially because we had two older kids at home. I'm trying to maintain the balance of being mom and dad to them while being mom to Opal in the hospital. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just so challenging. Um, we moved from Integris to the Children's Center Rehabil Rehabilitation Hospital in, in April, and she spent three months there. It started out, she was only going to be there six weeks. Mm -hmm. um, and our goal in there, she had a trach and a G-tube. Their goal was to train us to go home with Opal and care for her and also get therapy. Opal responded to therapy so well there mm. that we stayed, we ended up staying longer, you know, instead of six weeks, it became three months. And um, Opal left Integris going to the Children's Center and she had regained movement in her fingers. We saw, mm. you know, her hands were moving. By the time we left the Children's Center in July, so she got sick on February 27th. We moved to the Children's Center in April. And when we discharged to come home in July, she had regained probably 75 to 80% of upper body. Um, mm. And to leave there, uh, there was just a mix of emotions. One, we were so anxious to get home with the kids, mm. just to get back to normalcy, to sleep in our own beds, to eat a meal together, to 
break up a fight. Uh, you know, we just, <laughs> we were craving just normalcy. Um, but it was hard to leave because those nurses, those therapists, the doctors, they became our family. And also Opal had re- responded so well to therapy there. It was hard to leave because we, we want therapy for Opal because we know that's what's best. And, um, so it was hard to leave because we didn't want to give that up mm-hmm. ahead. Opal, we haven't met, we do therapy at home with Opal every single day. Opal still gets outpatient therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, she, we, she gets that formally a few times a week. Um, and so leaving home that leaving the hospital that day, it was a mix of emotions. I was so ready to leave, but I was so hesitant to leave at the mm-hmm. same time. It was just a conflict of, of emotions going on there. Um, it was an overwhelming day. We hadn't been home in over six months and Opal was coming home with a trach and a G tube and and carrying for a child with a trach is intense. And so the transition home as, as much as we were excited, it was, it was terribly rough um, because it required so much on it. We went from having nurses to help us to becoming the sole caretakers. Mm -hmm. Um, And while we wouldn't have it any other way, it was just, it was rough. And to be mom and dad now again, like we were before, um, it just required a lot of, of give and take. And, you know, to be perfectly honest, the, the year that followed, it was full of ups and downs. And um, emotionally for me, you know, I struggled with depression sometimes. And, um, it was a, a up and down. To be home, it, it still feels surreal to me sometimes. I mean, we've been discharged for a year and a half and sometimes we're sitting around the table and I'll look at Josh and I'll say, can you believe we're here as a family? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll celebrate two years out of the hospital in July. So, you know, that's something that's not lost on us, you know, that that God has used this journey to teach us so much. And one of those, like I said before, is about trust and faith. Another one is not to take anything for granted. Mm-hmm. have changed so much about what we value um, counting our blessings. Uh, we just, we've learned not to take anything for granted. Um, that day, I will never forget um, seeing all of those, those nurses and doctors and therapists who weren't nurses and doctors and therapists. They were family mm-hmm. and uh, they're still family. In fact, Opal started a very intense therapy um, program this week, actually, back at the Children's Center. And, um, you know, we see some of them now and then, and it's like, we've, we've not been away for a year and a half. And, um, what a blessing it is to meet those kind of people in your life and who've impacted us, us so tremendously. Now, as you look back on that now, I know there were times that, um, you know, with a disease like that process that's unexplainable, so rare, one in a million, and the youngest ever in the nation at that time. I'm certain that there were indications given to you, well, the chances are ABC, and, and you had to you had to hear that. Um, when you heard that, what was your response to that? Did you, did you ever back down with your faith? Did you ever go, man, I don't know. Did that ever happen? Absolutely. I mean, we we're human for sure. You begin to, to waver, but again, as we mentioned in Proverbs three, five, and six, you know, we need to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean out on our own understanding and all our ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct our path. God speaks to the matters of the heart, right? So when he speaks to the heart, there are times that the mind, which it can't understand, he can't make logic out of what God is speaking to the heart. So first you need to be in, in tune there. 
But a- absolutely, we, we had our challenges, but we, we knew that we had to take a personal stance on the fact that God's promises are true and that they are prevalent and relevant for today. And so when it came to those moments, we'd say, this is true, right? But Romans tells us uh, with, with man, things are impossible. All things are possible, right? So I, I like to take that word and uh, you see impossible and as it's spelled, but when you include God, you put that H in the front, you break it up and it says impossible, right? Mm. And so I we would just hold on to that and understand just as Gretchen mentioned earlier, Matthew chapter six, uh, verses 33 through 34, is first seek the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. All these things be added unto you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. We just knew that God, if he so chose to, with man, yeah, 30% chance that Mm. could make any slight sense of a recovery. But with God, there's a 100% chance Mm -hmm. he so chooses to. And so we just continued to trust God. And it wasn't easy, but we we sojourned and God continues to prevail and work through this modern day miracle. And and just to add to that, Dr. Mark, you know, that's something that we still choose, you know, because there are days still in this journey. Opal has recovered so much. Um, she, she got her trach out uh, mm. four or five months after being discharged. They told us to expect that, that she would have it for years. Um, she still has a G2, but we know that's coming out sometime this year and we're excited about that. But physically, Opal still has a long road ahead of her. I mean, she's regained She's a hundred percent in her upper body now. Um, mm. We still have some core work to do, but her legs, you know, we have a lot of work to do. She's not walking yet. She's not crawling normally, but she's made strides even in the last months uh, physically mm. and in her lower extremities. But there are some days, you know, I feel Satan at my door, <laughs> make, tempting me to say, you don't, you don't really believe she's going to get better. Right. And, you know, if I'm being honest, that's easy to, to, to give pause to that. And, and, you know, it's easy to doubt. And so like Josh mentioned, we choose. Yeah. It's, it's easy to, but we have to, we, we know those thoughts, those temptations out, those are not from God. Mm-hmm. And so um, I've, I've called it brain training um, and mm-hmm. I'm significantly better at it, but I used to let those thoughts linger and then it would just be this vicious downward spiral um, but I know, you know, I can sense the enemy coming on sometimes and I'm pretty good. I'm not always perfect, but I'm pretty good about just dismissing those thoughts, maybe acknowledging them, but acknowledging that they're not from God and that I don't want to give, give them any credit or any validity. And so I let them pass through. And um, I'm so grateful God has allowed me to grow in that way because it's helped me personally, emotionally, mentally, but certainly spiritually. And, but that's a daily decision for me because I'm with Opal 24 seven. If our therapists don't come to the house, I'm doing therapy with her. And so the reality of her situation is something I see, you know, all day long. And um, so it's, you know, Satan attacks when you're vulnerable and, you know, I find myself in the, in those states still. Um, but like Josh said, it's something that we consciously choose and we choose to, put our faith in the one who can do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ever think. And Dr. Mark, let let me just mention this. And I was just hoping to find the opportunity. Um, Gretchen doesn't give herself enough credit. 
<laughs> uh, she she really does. And uh, I I don't want this to be uh, trigger emotions or anything, but you know we as as men we we have this this complex that we can fix anything, even when we know we can't fix it, right? But when it comes time to to stand in the trenches and I have the endurance to do so, and God has, has, has gifted women with this sense of just, just strength. And uh, growing up, we have various male heroes, right? You know, police officer or a fireman, or if it was a wrestler or, you know, football, whatever it may have been. Rarely do we have women who are heroes for us. And uh, I'm, I'm proud to say that my wife is one of my heroes. Uh, she spent almost 150 days and nights in the hospital next to Opal's bed. I mean, she, she, she tried to spend the night in, in an apartment that we had up the street, and that was a restless night for her. And any other night, I mean, that's, I don't, I don't know if I, if I could have done that. Mm. What I, I, I don't, I don't want to go through that to see if I could. Mm. You talk about a helpmate. And how Eve was created. Hey, this is this is the closest I've gotten to one of my heroes. Mm. And I'm just so proud to be married to Gretchen. And if anyone could receive an honorary um, RN degree, Gretchen. If anyone could receive an <laughs> MD, Gretchen. Gretchen can do anything. And then she says, "We are doing the therapy at home." I come home and I just play, right? <laughs> that. But when it comes to OT and PT and all those individuals coming in and out of our house and getting to appointments, and that that that's Gretchen being able to lead those charges. Um, and it's interesting that we talk about the Children's Center because uh, that day and, and going home, yes, it was challenging. And as she said, it felt as if we were leaving family, but when you have it, that July of 2020, the Lord, through it all, made a way through the Children's Center and they invited our family and specifically me to help lead the charge from an executive position uh, and managing their, their foundation. So it's it is mm. serendipitous, but, but it's that beautiful tapestry that God puts together. And you don't know what that looks mm. like, but our relationship between each other Every every relationship that we have has has grown stronger because if God wasn't at the center, but maybe He was off center, He is at the center of every relationship that we have. That's um, no question one of the most beautiful descriptions of a man describing his wife that we could ever hear. And a man, I hope you're listening to that. I hope you heard that, and I hope you took it to heart. And I hope you sort of listen to that and take some notes and repeat it often until you make it to come to pass because it needs to. Mm-hmm. Um, as we wind up, you know, this um, time together, um, you know, there's people out there, you guys, that, that, are, that are hurting from various situations, capacities, occurrences, some expected, some not. And they're looking for hope. They're looking for help. They're looking for healing. They're looking for resolve. All those things that you have gone and are going through currently. Gretchen, I'll start with you. What are you going to tell them? Well, I would start by saying that there is always hope. Mm. And speaking from this experience specifically, 
being very candid, sometimes you have, it's hard to find. And sometimes, especially in the beginning of this journey, you know, I wondered, God, are you there? And the beautiful thing about that is I realized through this that it's okay to ask God that. And it's okay to tell him that I'm, I'm upset and question why. And that doesn't mean I don't have faith. That means I have a relationship with God and that I can ask him those things. Um, and I asked him that many times, God, you know, are you hearing our prayers? Do you see our tears? You know, where are you? Because there were days like Josh alluded to, I, I didn't feel him. And um, something that Josh has said many times in this, not just this, he, it was a sermon that he, he said many years ago, but it was about Psalm 23 mm. and the part where it says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And I felt like this, this valley, this journey for us was, was definitely through a valley. And it was through a very dark one, one that we couldn't see, you know, five feet in front of us. But Josh pointed out, you know, it, it, the scripture says the valley of the shadow of death. There can be no shadow unless there's a light. And just because I don't feel God doesn't mean he's not there. And my relationship with God, my hope in him, my faith through him, it requires work on my part. I can't just say I have faith in him and it takes care of itself. That's a daily, sometimes multiple times a day decision that I, I choose, like we said to earlier. And hope was always the better option for us because there was many days it was, do we accept the reality of this situation? The doctors are telling us Opal's probably not going to get better. She's probably going to have her trach forever um, or for years. And those are defeating conversations and so easy to give into that doubt and fear. Um, so we could choose to give into it or we could, we could claim, cling to the hope that we have. And I learned very quickly for me, it was always, beneficial and better to cling to the hope. It, it, it gave me the stamina to take the next step. And um, I don't know how I would have gotten through this journey without having the hope in, in, in Christ, um, knowing that he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think because of the power in us. Mm -hmm. And so that to me, that means God is bigger than an MRI. God is bigger than a diagnosis God is bigger than a doctor's report. And yes, we take that. We have to take those, that information as it comes. But also we have to remind ourselves every single day, we serve a big God who can do big things. And um, hope is something that I will always choose because it made the difference for us in this journey. And it is always worth the effort that it takes to choose it. Wow. Well said. Man, um, amen. That's a, that's a, I think she just confirmed what you said there, sir. Um, yeah. Okay, Josh, same question for you. Mm. Uh, there's yeah. people out there with, that are at the end of their rope. Mm. They're tired. They're beat down. Their back's against the wall. They're up against that thing that they can't get past. Mm. What are you going to tell that person? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I would tell that person based on what, what we experience is that one, know that God is our refuge and our strength. Oftentimes we can try to draw strength from our own intellect and our, our own might, but 
it's futile and it's limited. As Gretchen may mention of Psalm 23, the significance there and what David says in the beginning is the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You got to make sure that you, you know that you know that you are born again Christian. And you got to know that you've committed your life to Christ and knowing that, that he died for our sins and that through the gifting of the Holy Spirit, once he rose, that you can have that communion with him on earth as it is and will be in heaven. But, but you got to know that you need help. And, and God is our greatest resource of help. And, and he wants to help those individuals just like he's helped us. But then also, when it comes to the gifting of, of hope, God tends to gift that to, to us through people who belong to him. So you need to find yourself in an environment that embodies hope. Yeah, we're at the Children's Center Rehabilitation Hospital, and we're grateful to be a part of the, the family and the capacity in which we're serving. But one thing within the mission is they said, yes, we provide the best and a high standard of care through pediatric physiatrists, but we know that true healing comes through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is a hospital telling mm-hmm. us this. And that was an answer to a prayer. We knowing that he was there. And so they said that we expect miracles to happen. That's that's literally the, the domain, not the hospital's name, but it says miracles happen here. Helen Keller says that every day there's a possibility for a miracle. So you've got to know that that's not the end for you. And, and being around those people who have a different perspective, especially a godly perspective, they don't see you for where you are, but they see you for where you, what you can be and where you're going. Mm-hmm. And really what the pivotal point is here and what was for us was the fact that though we went through so many different trials, we said that we wanted God to allow us to wow our doctors, to wow our church, to wow all of our, our relationships. And that was to set the example to worship over worry. And so don't 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 worry about what your situation is, but find means of worshiping through it all and inviting God to be a part of it and knowing that there are people who still love you, people who care for you, people who are willing to sacrifice for you so you can find that that you need. And as we know through our story, that strength only comes from my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I would say to worship over worry. You know, I I really love and appreciate you guys for sharing your story. Uh, It's so impactful. It's going to be impactful to everybody listening here for years to come. And Mm -hmm. from myself and my wonderful queen, who's my wife, Dr. Michelle, I really want to thank you guys for sharing your life. Um, We will post the um, video below in the feed. And I I think uh, there is also a Facebook uh, group page. So if people want to follow Opal's progress, um, what is that Facebook address, Gretchen? It's uh, the name of the group um, is called Opal's Fight Team Tremble, and they can find it. And we we continue to docu- document her journey. There's been so many people who followed us from the very beginning because of the rarity of this condition. And um, uh, our, our Facebook memory yesterday was um, a year ago today, Opal was just starting to eat by mouth. And she was just starting to turn over. And what a humbling reminder of how God has worked in her, her just this last year. 
yes, we pray for, we prayed for miracles in the beginning for instantaneous healing, but to, to see Opal being healed over a period of time has transformed our lives. And uh, that's something that's not lost on us. And um, we are honored by the people who follow our story and continue to support us and encourage us, but most of all pray for a complete and full restoration of little Opal Rose. There you go. Opal's fight team tremble on Facebook. Check out the video clip that will inspire you. We'll have in the feed, Josh Gretchen. Um, just thank you. Doesn't seem like enough, but um, it really from the bottom of my heart, this has uh, been tremendous. And folks, I'll tell you that as you know, the very core nature of this podcast, Healthcare is Missing Link, being the title, as we've stated to you all along and is confirmed today by Gretchen and by Josh's story of Opal and just the life, the way you, the way God has galvanized them together, that's what's missing in healthcare right there. Mm-hmm. He, it's not a thing, it's him. And folks, we need to put God at the center of our lives, which makes him at the center of our health care. We are grateful. We're grateful for y'all joining us today, everyone. And I ask you as always to do, to subscribe, find out what and who's coming next. Share this podcast as it will bless the lives of those you share it with. And we'll look forward to seeing you next time on Healthcare's Missing Link. Bye-bye. Doctors Mark and Michelle Sherwood and their clinic can help you find the hope and health you were created to enjoy. Go to Sherwood.tv for clear, proven ways you can be healthier. Subscribe at Sherwood.tv.